Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Is How now, any- brown cow? Is there anything? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Welcome back to Is Fitz Happy? I'm Emma. And I'm Luke. And today we're going to be discussing chapter 14, Galen. Oh boy. Oh, my favorite character. I love him so much. So the beginning part here is um, just kind of discussing Galen as a boy and how he became the skill master, which we've had questions on for a few weeks every time we've mentioned him, and now it... You know, imagine that gets explained in the book. (laughs) (laughs) That son of a weaver. Yes, son of a weaver. Uh, That's how I read it every time. (laughs) He came to Buckkeep as a boy. His father was one of Queen Desire's personal servants who followed her from Pharaoh. Solicity was then the skill master at Buckkeep. She had instructed King Bounty and his son Shrewd in the skill. So by the time Shrewd's sons were boys, she was ancient already. Um, And since she was old, she wanted to take up an apprentice, and she asked King Bounty, uh, Shrewd's father, that she could do so, that get his permission that she could train somebody to take up her mantle, because by that time, um, the rule for not teaching skill to royal bastards was in place, Mm -hmm. and they could no longer, you know, do anything like that. Um, And it says that Galen was greatly favored of the queen, Obviously. <laughs> no, but this isn't Queen Desire. This is King, oh, Bounty's, King Bounty's wife. Queen. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I had some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, Galen was greatly favored of the Queen, and at Queen in Waiting's Queen in Waiting Desire's energetic urging, Solicity chose the youth Galen as her apprentice. Yep. Hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I I had to go and check because I was like, wait, maybe I'm wrong on whose illegitimate child this is. Um, Because, you know, there's the two queens. Mm -hmm. But no, it seems though as though it is Desire's illegitimate child. Yeah, it's Desire's illegitimate child for sure, but I am curious of why King Bounty's wife would favor Galen as well, unless like I mean, the queen was Queen Desire was obviously very skilled at social manipulation and rousing up support for herself and her family. So I'm wondering, like, if she just like, oh, this person shows a lot of promise, like every once in a while, and then eventually, when it was brought up, she's like, oh, Galen would be very good for this position, maybe. I'm sure Galen was told by Desire to. Um to buddy up to the queen because at this point she wouldn't have had regal right or maybe she just had regal correct i don't believe she had regal yet because she was um queen in waiting and they would have waited until they were married in order to have regal i'm sure Hmm. well they queen in waiting doesn't mean they weren't married that's true so well and and he's been the skill master it either says later this chapter or the next He's been skill master for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So that would put him. He's and he's only like a year or maybe, two older. Maybe a couple years older than 
Chivalry, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, this really brings into question what age everybody's at, right? And Well, because Fitz wouldn't be, he's 14 in he's this He's about 14, Which yeah. means that his great-grandfather would have had to have died pretty close to right before he was born, or around when he was born. Yeah. I guess it could have been in those six years that he was still... You know, with his mom. Yeah, I don't know if Solicity was ever the skill master while, oh, I guess. while Shrewd was king. That's fair. I was thinking, you're right, being trained to be skill master and being skill master are two different things. Yeah. So. Hmm. It's all kind of th- th- tantalizingly right there as a timeline, <laughs> but uh, I don't have the... Yeah. mental capabilities right now to piece it together <laughs> maybe in my uh, my spare time whenever that is i will <laughs> try to get together a timeline of when things happened that are not talked about <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway i just wanted to make sure we know that the old queen fitz's great grandmother mm-hmm. also liked galen yes correct yes and very weird yeah very weird so Solicity chose Galen, um, and it says, At that time, as now, the skill was denied to bastards of the Farseer house, but when the talent bloomed unexpected among those not of royalty, it was cultivated and rewarded. So they still trained people who were not of royalty yes. in the skill. I had some thoughts on that. Did you... Want it. Not particularly, just like general, uh, they didn't want any of, like, the, the worry about Fitz was that a royal bastard could be taken as an act and raised up as a figurehead for a civil war or someone else coming in and upsetting, like, the balance of everything. So they didn't want to give them any more advantages, any possibilities that they could be used against the royal house, but, like, commoners would be fine to be, you know drilled loyalty into they weren't really useful except for what the king made them i guess oh that's a weird distinction to make because i i assumed that it was because they wouldn't want a bastard to get ideas of grandeur and to take over with the skill but then what leaves the common folk to not do that because if you learn the skill well enough couldn't you just say you know, with this power, I could take over the throne and everybody would just agree with it. Uh, the training, and that there's a skill master. So if there's somebody who is obviously your teacher, someone that taught you things, like, sure, there's going to be a couple people, but isn't the point of training them? And sometimes, like, I think Galen mentions later in the chapter that some of them were turned away. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to weed out those people who might upset that balance, who you don't want to continue to teach further. Hmm, that's fair. But then why couldn't they just do that with a bastard? Because they're the farseers, <laughs> and they, even though all of them have illegitimate, illegitimate children, lots of them, they don't care about them at all. Well, Verity might not. Verity might not, that's true. And, well... He also might. Regal, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Regal he was a might, and... I don't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Um, and it says that by the time that Prince's chivalry and Verity were old enough to receive skill instruction, Galen had advanced enough to assist in their instruction, though he was but a year or so older than they. 
So yeah, he's uh, Galen's like in his what mid to upper thirties or so. Yeah, somewhere um, in there. Yeah. And he had strange and unexpected. He had strange and unexpected talent that came abruptly to the attention of the skill master. So I'm wondering if something was done to him to give him like a little bit of a boost temporarily. You know. I don't know. Um, just because we know that he's not as strong as he seems, or maybe Fitz is just that strong, but... I got it as, like, since it's in conjunction and referring to the previous sentence, like, sometimes the talent bloomed unexpected and those not of, you know, royalty, it was... And then it was cultivated and rewarded. We know from Queen Desire's bragging that she has more farseer blood than, like, Shrewd does. Yeah. So... He is of the royal line. It's not unexpected to hit, have that power. And everybody else looking into that family is like, oh, wow, there's this like servant's boy who has a lot of skill talent. Mm. That's what I kind of understood okay. out of that. That is just like perceived as somebody who is not of the royal line, all of a sudden blossoming this unlooked for skill okay. that was unexpected to see. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But since the queens were both advocating for him, it was kind of shoved in front of Solicity. Hmm. Okay. I like that explanation. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then it goes into Fitz's life, where he kind of found a balance in his life again. It says, um, life sought a balance and briefly found it, which... The briefly is just so incredibly sad to me because that's kind of what he tries to do all of his life is just try to find a rhythm. Mm -hmm. He's one of those people that just wants to do this task, fall into a task, and keep doing it. Yes. If he could forever stay in the stables with Burek gone and Chade gone and (laughs) just go down to town once in a while, I think he'd love life. Oh, yeah. Forever. (laughs) He's not really a break the waves kind of person which is which is funny and ironic because he's uh-huh. the catalyst <laughs> yeah exactly it's so odd that he is so structured in what he needs right but it does make sense because his life is so weird that you would want just a little bit of stability so um but it's a uh, it's saying that you know the awkwardness grad gradually faded with lady patience mm-hmm. and they were formal with one another and never really, like, friends, but they tolerated each other and, you know, sought a nice little balance. Uh-huh. Um, they didn't feel the need to share feelings. Instead, we skidded... Instead, we skirted one another at a formal distance and nevertheless managed to gain a good mutual understanding. And... <laughs> Yet, in the formal dance of our relationship, there were occasional times of genuine merriment, and sometimes we even danced to the same piper. And I just think it's so interesting to read about this relationship at this point, because we know that later in life, which is after he's written this, he's very close to Patience. And she comes and lives with him at Withy Woods, and mm-hmm. yeah. And, but I do love that... Um, they grow a fondness of each other and also that sometimes they match in their thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I like the line, once she had given up the notion of teaching me everything that a Farseer prince should know, she was able to teach me a great deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she became a little bit more focused when she realized that, like, yes, I can actually... Yeah. I have something to offer him. Yeah. And he's and, willing to accept it. And I like that that came in the form of something that probably resonated a little bit with her. Mm-hmm. Because she was a noble lady and she didn't deign to learn any of the <laughs> <laughs> any of the things a noble lady should be learning. Right. And so I think it was good for her to not just see him as chivalry's son and a potential Farseer royal line carrier, um, but to also see him as just a kid who didn't want to learn all that stuffy stuff. It kind of harkens back to his question of, like, can I be more than just a royal bastard assassin? Yeah. And she's showing him that he can have interests, you know, things that he looks forward to and likes to learn about. And so he gained a working knowledge of music, um, perfumer's art, more knowledge of plants, um, and how to like graft different plants together, and also um, the tattooer's art vaguely. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to quick talk about the plants? Yeah. Um, definitely. Chade was very interested. Yes, Chade was very interested. But it seems as though there's an a offset of magic potentially that a patient had heard about but had never tried herself um and i'm wondering if that's why they're ta- they if what they're mentioning there is the apple tree with the pear if that's the magic i don't think it's it's not magic cuz you can actually do that in real life yeah um i think it's she heard a rumor of it says that Lady Patience and I made into coaxing the buds of one tree to open to leaf when spliced into another tree. This was a magic she had heard rumored but did not scruple to attempt. I think it's a magic not in the capital M magic skill wit kind of thing, but mm-hmm. like something that wow, it, that's possible kind like of a thing science that, they, that you don't know the answer to. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And she did not scruple to, you know, attempt it or whatever. She dove head first and tried a bunch of different things and eventually created, you know, the um, the apple tree that grew pears on one branch. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I just was wondering if that was supposed to be the magic that, like, and, like, I don't know if I was just, like, misreading it, or but in my head I just was like, so there's just this random apple tree that has one <laughs> pear limb and nobody talks about it and they don't know where it came from or but no that makes more sense that it was their there's, experiment. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> just <experiment>. like <laughs> It's a little like poetic to me like oh yeah this is also magic to create, yeah. you know, to put these two plants together and it sustains the life from I don't know. Yeah. So interesting. I like that take. Um but he also mentions here that that all evolved over several months, and, and this years. was just and years, and this was just the first ten days or so, and mm-hmm. they're just kind of like quietly formal, maybe slightly awkward still, just yeah. kind of getting used to one another's rhythms. But eventually, get close enough to let Fitz tattoo on her. <laughs> uh, no, no, he he did not. He let her watch, or uh, excuse me, she let him watch while she did it. 
<laughs> and finally assist with, though. Oh, assisted with. Okay. Yeah. So he got to do some of it. That means Lady Patience has a giant calf tattoo <laughs> that Fitz did part of. And I think that's really cute. <laughs> Says uh, Smithy's growing well. Um, the errands that she ran him on led him into town to meet more with his friends and with Molly. And um, she's friends with Fedrin now. Yep, yep. She met with Fedrin and enlisted him. It says, <laughs> and I'm sure they hit it off really well, just talking about paper all day. Oh yeah. And it says, for a very brief period, I was happy, and an ear even rarer gift. I knew I was happy. Oh, that was hard to read. Jock went up for the happy column <laughs> for now. Ooh yeah, I think it's a bit early. <laughs> But yeah, a I, half a point in the happy column, <laughs> and then negative three for the rest of the chapter. Yeah, because literally the next sentence. And then my lessons with Galen began. Yikes! Birk has a um, very sobering talk with him about Galen, and Birk talks about his feelings, and it's touching, but also very scary because of how Fitz describes Birk. Right. Um, and how Birik is acting while saying these kinds of things and truly believing what he is saying. Yeah. Um, he's very restless and and Fitz says that he's like the most worked up he's ever seen Birik. Strong as tight as I'd ever seen him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Birik... After Fitz asks him, what's wrong? Birk immediately says, nothing. And then recognizes that he's, like, straight up lying and just saying, well, it's this. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. It was a little cute. Yeah, and so, with all this restless energy, he's trying to get something out. And Fitz can't figure out what. Um, and it's revealed that Galen has come to visit Birk to talk. In quotation marks. <laughs> Um, but he basically threatens Burek to not get involved. He's not allowed to help Fitz. Um. Can't share a meal with him. Can't talk to him. Can't interfere with anything. And he says he was most direct about it. And what do you think he was going to say? What do you think the hesitation was there to change it to direct? Um, maybe uh, a not so pleasant word. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Hmm. Um, but he does mention, um, which I think is interesting, some rumors, which is very unlike Bjork because Bjork doesn't really seem to put up with rumors, I guess is the best way to say it. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to want have any place. There's no room for rumors. Just say what you want to say about mm-hmm. a person to their face and leave it at that. But he does say that Galen is a very hard teacher. But he also says he drives his pupils, but he claims he expects no more of them than he does himself. And boy, I've heard that gossiped about me too, if you can credit it. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz, Fitz permits himself a small smile and Burek scowls at him. <laughs> Which I think 
interesting because it's this Burek trying to be like, I would never be that way. I'm not like that at all. I think so. <laughs> yeah. But it is very true. But I also felt like this could be taken as, um, so take it with a grain of salt because like it's not, maybe it's not that serious, but it feels like a contradictory to his already serious tone to then say, but maybe it's not true. I think it's more just kind of like your first point there that he was kind of slightly incredulous. Maybe it's that he doesn't believe that Galen holds himself to the same standards that he holds his pupils. That's true. That could be definitely true. But. I don't know. But he, he goes on and basically says that Galen does not like you and it's no secret and Galen makes no secret of that. And he has no fondness for you at all. He also says it's based solely on what you are and what you caused. And God knows that wasn't your fault. With God capitalized. Yeah. Which is a little weird because... Yeah, since the only singular God is Sa, as far as we know. Although that is from the southern region. And do do Chalcedians... I don't know. I think they're more... L and Eda worshippers, hmm. but I'm not hmm. sure. Well, anyway, I just wanted to point out that what you caused, I feel like this is a little bit of an admission that Burek kind of holds Fitz responsible too. Slightly, but he... Not to the same extent as Galen and not in a, like, evil way, but I think this is, like, a little bit of, like... Maybe, but also, like... From Beric, he is a guy that will literally call a Fitz Fitz. <laughs> like, he will straight up say, like, yeah, you caused a big deal, like, a lot of problems around here. So, that's what you did. It's not your fault, but it's what you did. Okay. So, I, with him saying, like, um... God knows that wasn't your fault. And then the next sentence, he says more and then says, yeah, and we didn't know that wasn't your fault either. Like, I feel like maybe he harbors a little bit, but I don't even think it's conscious to him. Mm. Yeah. I don't think he's been, like, thinking about that or, like, said, oh, man, Fitz did this. It's kind of like, oh, Fitz caused this. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, that's good. I was going to say, I was a little disappointed in that, I guess. So I'm glad that you shared with me your point of view so that I could not be a little mad at Burek. <laughs> um, but he does continue on saying that it doesn't make sense for Galen to um, hold chivalry to such high standards that he can't make a mistake. Um, and he says, but you can love a man and know better than that about him. Um, in response to knowing that somebody has faults. Yeah. I don't think Beric knows what happened to Galen. I don't think so either. And that Beric is like, I think he's kind of uh, turns away from some of Galen's faults that he knows about mm-hmm. because he worshiped chivalry that much. Right. Um, but he's also kind of scared of like the blind worship that he had because Beric was still a logical person. He's like, yeah, 
person, all every person has faults, but Galen literally couldn't see any in, in chivalry. Yeah. I think it's a good look at how people are thinking about Galen just as a whole. Mm-hmm. And what it looks like to people who have no idea how the skill works. It's just Galen really respected chivalry. Yeah. And so... Sometimes to a little alarming degree, but in general... Yeah. There's always those crazy fanatics that stand somebody so hard. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) But yeah, it is... It is good to know that as much as Burek loved chivalry, he also can admit when chivalry was wrong or had right. fault, that he had faults at all. It took Burek a while to get there, yeah, but he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and Burek is still trying to beat around the bush, and Fitz is like, come on, just tell me what it is. And Burek's like, I'm trying, okay? <laughs> it's <laughs> not to... easy to know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> um. And he's basically saying, like, you know, be courteous, whatever. And Fitz is like, I never intended to do anything other than that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and Birk, of course, is exasperated because that's not he's that's not what he's trying to get out. He's absolutely terrified for Fitz. Right. He's scared for Galen to meet Fitz because he can't blame Galen can't blame chivalry for anything that he did wrong so all of that blame is shifted to Fitz and therefore skill driven Galen hates Fitz blames him for everything that happened to chivalry and he's kind of afraid that Galen will use any opportunity to get rid of Fitz yeah and And that that brings up the wit (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and Birik hates talking about it in general, but this is a particularly tough topic for him because I think two of his morals kind of interact with that. One, that the wit is literally worse than even forging, he says. He'd, ra- he'd rather Fitz be forged than have and use the wit. Mm-hmm. But also, like, what happens later with Galen? Like, he can't, like conflate those two together and he doesn't want Fitz to get killed right. or anything for and it. And he doesn't think Fitz is a bad person no. and he doesn't think people who use the wit are necessarily bad people. He not necessarily. <laughs> he, there are definitely lines that he draws, but he yeah. I mean the story he tells, he doesn't think that girl is right a bad person. She thought she he thought she was very good, but he, before he, yeah, he goes into it and just says, like, stay clear of the wit. I've tried right. to tell you before, like, just be clear of it. I know you've abided by my rule, mostly. Sometimes I get the hint or a feeling that, yeah. you know, you've been using it. But, yeah, he says, I tell you, Fitz, I'd sooner see I'd sooner see you forged. Yes, don't look so shocked. That's truly how I feel. And as for Galen... Look, Fitz, don't even mention it to him. Don't speak of it. Don't even think of it near him. It's little that I know about the skill and how it works, but sometimes... Oh, sometimes when your father touched me with it, it seemed he knew my heart before I did, and saw things that I kept buried even from myself. A sudden deep blush suffused Burek's dark face, and almost I thought I saw tears stand in his dark eyes. What do you think that was about? Ooh, Okay, so I have a couple thoughts. Mm-hmm. One, maybe about patience and maybe 
he found out that Burek loved her and went got with her anyway. Mm-hmm. Or maybe before he left the castle, or a little after, after Fitz had been in Burek's care, he had talked with Burek and then saw the hurt that he had and the anger he had towards chivalry. But Burek would be blocked off by then, right? Well, or would that be the same conversation kind of thing? Well, the blocking can be undone, even if temporarily, by the person who sets it, mm. or by knowing the keyword to unlock. Right, right. So chivalry could have That's true. unlocked him, or maybe he even knows of a way to keep someone partially unlocked just to him or something, you know? So... There's, um... I, I don't want to discount those theories at all, but there's a theory online that I've, I've read that um, Beric loved chivalry. Ooh. And that's kind of what, like, he chivalry found out kind of thing. Oh, like... Um, yeah. Okay. Ooh, juicy. I really like that. <laughs> And they would be like a love triangle, actually, in actuality, between chivalry, Beric, and patience. Ooh. But, I mean, there's there's not a ton of evidence besides, you know, things like this, or... His devotion. His actual devotion towards him. Um, but there's not even, like, rumors from other, other people around. Um, That's fair. Well, but Beric is really big and scary, and so... True, but I, and, feel, I feel like the soldiers would have... But also he's, I mean, to use stereotypes, he's like a big manly man. Yeah. And so I could see how that would deter you from thinking that he like, liked men. That's true. So, and also he would beat anybody up that spread rumors about him. So, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to tell Fitz a rumor about Burek on purpose. Right. Especially <laughs> right. one about his dad and Burek. So. Um, some evidence for and against it in the same kind of like sentence here is that even though all the women thought he was, like, super dreamy, he never really dated around or anything like that. But he's also telling Fitz straight up, like, I I, di- I don't bring women around, like, a different woman around every night because I don't want you thinking about women like that. So in his words and actions, he seems to only like women. But also there are, com- like, a couple hints that well, he could like maybe he buried it deep down in his head. He could like both. Yeah. And oh no. Yeah. 100%. Also, I'm sure he seems like the kind of person who would think that like liking men is a sin. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense, like. Yeah, I. It could be just a unique case with chivalry. Um, right. He could be bisexual, and not admit it to himself. He could be just straight and just actually adored chivalry for the man he was and loved patience. Right. But that is another theory that I've read online. So he could shout also- out to whoever I read that from because I don't remember. <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> um, he could also be embarrassed because he does come from a slave past, right? Yes, definitely. So maybe some of the abuse he faced he had to relive when chivalry was because we know he's a little bit um stampede like when he goes yeah, through mines right uh so he could definitely have brought up something on accident and 100 percent 
then... There's a ton of dark stuff in Beric's past that he would rather forget about because right. he isn't proud of who he was. No, and he did change char- character-wise, yeah. like, who he was with chivalry and mm-hmm. with the help of chivalry. So maybe it's that. Although I do really like the idea that it's a romantic thing. <laughs> <laughs> Going on to your point right there, like, when Beric was brought in for fighting, mm-hmm. he, chivalry could have touched him with the skill right there to see, like what Beric was thinking, if he was a danger, that sort of thing. Right. Because I know we were talking briefly, like, why would... Beric was just newly in the army, why would he be taken under chivalry's wing? Um, so maybe seeing what Beric had been through... Yeah. I'm sure chivalry was a nice guy. I want to believe that, even if it's doesn't at this point or flip-flops back and forth everything that we hear from him is that he was a nice guy right hear about him i guess but um Beric finally is kind of able to look aside and just say fear for you boy and get it out like he's actually scared for fits and he tells a story and he says i don't know if he will see it in you speaking of galen Or what he will do if he does. I've heard... No. I know it's true. There was a woman, actually, little more than a girl. She had a way with birds. She lived in the hills to the west of here, and it was said she could call a wild hawk from the sky. And he goes on to say that, you know, folk admired her, they they asked her for things to heal their birds, whatever. She did aught but good, for all I heard. Yeah. And... Then he says, but Galen spoke out against her, said she was an abomination, and that it would be worse for the world if she lived to breed. And one morning, she was found beaten to death. Fitz asks, Galen did it? And Beric shrugs, a gesture most unlike him, because he's usually matter-of-fact. He usually knows, you know, what he's thinking and will say facts of the story. Mm -hmm. His horse had been out of the stable that night. That much I know. And his hands were bruised, and he had scratches on his face and neck. But not the scratches a woman would have dealt him, boy. Talon marks, as if a hawk had tried to strike him. And you said nothing? I asked incredulously. He barked a bitter laugh. Another spoke before I could. Galen was accused by the girl's cousin, who happened to work here in the stables. Galen would not deny it. They went out to the witness stones and fought one another for El's justice, which always prevails there. Higher than the king's court is the answer to the question settled there, and no one may dispute it. The boy died. Everyone said it was the El's justice, that the boy had accused Galen falsely. One said it to Galen, and he replied that El's justice was that the girl had died before she bred, and her tainted cousin, too. Ugh. As if he couldn't get more despicable. Yeah. And... <sighs> he is a horrific person and human being. Yeah. I mean, it fits with his family, or his mom yeah. and brother. Any brother. abnormality, whether it's, you know, a different ability, whether it's a different skin color, whether it's missing one limb. Whether it's a different sex. Yeah. He has the skill. How is that different than the wit? How Ah, is that not? Because that is the king's ability. (sighs) 
The king's okay. magic, Emma. Oh. The piebald prince messed everything up. Oh my gosh. It's so frustrating. Yep. Prejudice, you know? Yeah. A question once decided that the witness stones could not be raised again. That was more than law. It was the very will of the gods. It's a, a really interesting belief, and I'm curious to where they got it, because these are the the skill pillars that they can travel through. Right. That they believe are L's justice and like witness stones for trials and will deliver God's judgment on questions brought there. I'm really curious as to where that history came from because it evolved somehow from those important stones. I wonder if it's because some people... I think we hear a story later where someone is fleeing with their loved one and they disappear into the pillar. The Pexies or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if that happened a lot where people would flee persecution and they would touch the pillar and maybe if they were innocent, like it was thought if they were innocent, they would be taken away by the gods yeah. um, to safety. And so maybe then they just associated with the gods reside here. They can decide justice and therefore, I if like we that. fight in front of this stone, they will only allow the winner to be the one who's right. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking of something a little bit more mundane, where it's like, <laughs> you know, they have all their houses and stuff, and the only central common landmark is this old stone. It's like, hey, meet at the stone, and we'll decide your fate there. <laughs> and then it kind of evolved that's from kind that. Of fun, though. <laughs> Except I don't think it's like... I think that's more of like an out-of-the-way back alley. So that does yeah. <laughs> fit more into your description of meet me by the stone at midnight. But yeah, it's really interesting because this seems to be one of the only things that is above the king in ruling. Like, the king can't do anything about the outcome. He couldn't, there, he couldn't even step in, even if he wanted to, to persecute Galen. Which is silly. Yeah, for real. Like, <laughs> he basically admitted it. <sighs> we, oh. Birk then continues, O Fitz, my son, be careful, be wise. And for a moment I wondered, for it sounded as if he feared for me. But then he added, Don't shame me, boy, or your father. Don't let Galen say that I've let my prince's son grow up half a beast. Show him that chivalry's blood runs true in you. Oh, Birk. Yeah, and I think it's just more evidence that he doesn't know that Galen is, like, I I don't want to say fully compelled because Galen is a hateful person and right. he would just hate Fitz anyways, but he is half compelled to hate Fitz because of everything that went wrong with chivalry. Right. But Beric believes he can change. Yeah. Beric believes that Fitz can prove that he has royal blood and that Galen doesn't have to hate him. Well, because how could anyone hate Fitz after knowing him is the thought. He's he a little loves, he's a little optimist. And he loves Fitz so much. It just shows how much he loves Fitz and is so proud of Fitz and knows that n- nobody will dislike him if they just mm-hmm. give him a chance. And it's very fatherly to have that kind of thought. And he even calls him my son. Mm-hmm. Shows how angsty Fitz is, too. Yeah. 
For it sounded as if he feared for me. Yeah. Well, he does, Fitz. <laughs> yeah, okay, Fitz. <laughs> and then he ad- then Beric added something else, but that doesn't matter. Like, he still yeah, fears for you. <laughs> he calls you his son. He loves you and wants what's best, and he has a hard time saying his feelings. And I really do feel like what he added on was probably one of those, ooh, I'm getting too teary-eyed. <laughs> I need to man up a bit. <laughs> and don't shame me. <laughs> or your father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, too, that adding on about chivalry was probably a little bit to remind himself this isn't my son that this is chivalry's son and i kind of feel like it was almost like a dig at himself like a reminder of yeah he's not my son Mm -hmm. just reminding himself of his place yeah which is so sad because chivalry's dead (laughs) let's spoiler alert rest in peace (laughs) and so I think it's okay. It's okay. And you raised him. Chivalry didn't. And even if Chivalry wanted to be there and couldn't, he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And even if he was still alive and could come back into Fitz's life, Bjork can still be his dad. Like, yeah. oh, I just feel so bad for him. He's really struggling. And he feel probably feels so helpful, helpless. This is his son and he can't interfere. I'm sure Galen told him that the king gave him permission to, like, tell Bjork to back off. Well, yeah. I mean, the king said, like, gave him permission to have no one interfere, basically. Right. So, But now he's gotten two back-to-back warnings about Galen's lessons. Uh, one from Chade saying, I have no eyes up there. Be careful. No idea what's going to happen. And one from Beric, like, he will kill you if he finds out that you have the wit. Also, he actually hates you already. And he has murdered other people before. Yep. So, and he didn't even feel sorry about it. Good luck. Have a good first day. Yeah. With his hands. He's the skill master. And, yeah. Uh. Well, it was just a girl. So, of course, he could yeah. kill her with, instead of his little whip. Oh, I hate him so much. I hate him. Oh. <laughs> well, we're getting into it. Um, the start of his lessons come here. And they're at the top of the Queen's Tower, which is very dead and dry, and no real plants are growing there. And Fitz reflects that this is what Patience should have had inherited. She should have made this place a welcoming garden. But instead, it's dead and drying, and they he's the first one up there, and then uh, he just waits for all the other people to show up. I do want to say I think it's really cute that... He's gotten to the point already with patience that he can be sorry for her. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have any hostility at all. And he wants her to have this garden Mm -hmm. and to make it better. And I just really like that. Um, Makes my heart happy. (laughs) The second person to arrive is August, which um, I think Emma and I had this conversation away from the microphones that... We were completely unaware that Shrewd had a sister. Yep. <laughs> um, I missed it in, like, all of my readings. Even though I knew that August was, like, in line for the throne yeah. at some point, I had no idea how. I kind of mm-hmm. breezed past it in my mind. Yeah, we... She we, died during childbirth. Yeah. We even talked about this a couple episodes ago yeah. where we had brought... August was brought up because that's who Fitz mm-hmm. thinks Patience is mistaking him for. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says my cousin Patience, and I think that same episode... My cousin August. Or, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> my cousin August. I um, mean, I think that same episode, we talk about how Shrew doesn't have any siblings. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> which doesn't make sense. And I think that's why I think I was like re-listening to the episode and I was like, wait a second. How did, uh, wait, <laughs> this, cause at first I thought, I guess I just thought August was like Verity's kid or maybe Regal. And then I was like, no, that's not right. August shows up and he has uh, Verity's broad build, much as Fitz had Chivalry's height. And um, he was distant but polite, as always. Does that mean that August is a short king? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very short. Does that mean Verity is short? Yeah, I think he's he's described as like a stocky, but like not yeah. fat, but like built and wide. Yeah. Huh. And then, which is which is why it's so weird that Fitz sees him like wasting away when he's using the skill, right. mm-hmm. because he loses like all of his weight and he just becomes. I just think a of him, small guy. I just think of him as a like big beefy dude, That's and I like guess I just equate yeah equate <laughs> that with height. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's interesting that he he's tall. But the class is over a dozen people. Um, August is the youngest at twelve years old, mm-hmm. and um, Serene. Serene, yes, is the eldest at like twenty five ish. Yeah. So it's very varied, very varied in age. <laughs> and um, Fitz and August are the two with the most royal blood. Yeah. Um, which, like, seeing... I, I always forget how young August is. I always think August is older than Fitz yeah, for some too. reason. Um, and it just makes it all the more sad at the end of these books when he gets completely burned out of skill and like is kind of rendered unable to care for himself and mm-hmm. sent to Withy Woods. He's only like 16. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like maybe 17. And then he dies shortly thereafter. Yeah. That's poor August. Oh, yeah. Cuz he's distant but polite always. Like and yeah. and not everybody's polite to Fitz. I don't know. I feel bad for August. I feel bad for August too. He doesn't have a mother either. Like I feel like August and Fitz could have been friends. They could have. If Fitz was just formally recognized, they yeah. would have been great friends. <laughs> um everyone was kind of clustered talking softly and then Galen came. I think it's really interesting that every time we get a first mention of Galen interrupting the happiness, Mm -hmm. it's one line, one sentence. It really sets a tone because it's Mm -hmm. like long flowing paragraphs of introducing people. Enter, tab, Galen. Enter, tab, that. It completely separates the two sections and their feelings because it really does create a feeling of dread every time that Galen is in a scene then. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen now? And you can just tell almost how much Fitz kind of still has fear. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's probably instilled in him. Right. Well, we'll hear about why, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's the worst. (sighs) But uh, there's an interesting... There's a kind of funny and interesting description here of Fitz's take on skinny men. Um... (laughs) And I kind of want to go over that real quick. <laughs> yes, me queen. <laughs> um, there is something I have observed about skinny men. Some, like Shade, seem so preoccupied with their lives that they either forget to eat or burn every bit of sustenance they take in the fires of their passionate fascination with life. 
But there is another type, one who goes about the world cadaverously, cheeks sunken, bones jutting, and one senses that he so disapproves of the whole of the world that he begrudges every bit of it that he takes inside himself. At that moment, I would have wagered that Galen had never truly enjoyed one bite of food or one swallow of drink in his life. Which was probably true. <laughs> well, he is a little sourpuss, so... Um, and then it describes him physically and what he's wearing, and we already had a descriptor that he dresses similarly to Regal, but mm-hmm. um, here it's... His clothes were very opulent and rich, obviously, but everything was tailored so tightly that it seemed like he was being stingy with material, that he was just being sparse for sparsity's sake, basically. Yeah. And which is really interesting, uh, like an interesting um, comparison of this man who, one being regal, who is royalty, knows he's royalty, thinks he deserves the throne, and acts like it, dresses like it. Everybody knows that he is a prince. And then there's Galen, who nobody knows is also part royalty um and probably part royalty by marriage only (laughs) um (laughs) and probably in his mind more royal than um than verity and chivalry it was probably told to him by desire he 100 percent was told that he deserves the crown more than they do and probably was told that until regal was born Mm -hmm. that he should be the one on the throne and then once regal is born i'm sure that uh, that went away oh yeah Um, i wonder if it's like also a little bit of self-hate because of what you were describing that like regal is now the one that's royalty and mm -hmm. they're scheming to get him on the throne that galen is like kind of internalized that all of his life that he is second rate to his younger half brother that he is the bastard He is the one that does not deserve as much. So while everything is rich and he thinks he's, you know, all of that, all that with his like skill and everything like that. Yeah. He doesn't really deserve the full fashion and he seems to internalize his whole lifestyle because he doesn't eat like meats and I don't know. Well, it's just interesting that he is so fiercely loyal to Regal and Desire. I know their family, but... He, it's not as though he's skilled to be that devoted to them like he was with chivalry. So he could look past their faults if he wanted to. Desire was really good at brainwashing her children. I guess. And maybe, I mean, I know that uh, abusive people a lot of times are that way because that's how they grew up. And it's just an endless cycle a lot right. of times. And so I wonder if maybe the reason he is the way that he is is because that's how desire kind of treated him maybe even his dad i mean his whole his whole thing of like he beats and looks down on people who are lower than him Mm -hmm. not of his station put desire and him in those situations like i'm sure she was very cruel to him as a kid because Mm -hmm. he was a bastard and not royalty right like i'm I'm sure he was extremely abused as a kid. And I feel really bad about that, if that's true of him. But at the same time... We don't know. We don't know. And he could just be a terrible person (laughs) because he's terrible. (laughs) And even if 
even if he was abused as a kid, that doesn't negate all the negative and horrible things he's doing as an adult. Right, exactly. Like, he's choosing to be that way now, and he has had ample opportunity to learn that that is not okay. But he isn't punished, which goes back to this whole thing of why the king allows him to do whatever he wants with no repercussion. Probably knows it's another of Desire's kids. He has to know. Yeah. But, ugh. I don't know. I mean, Shade seems to know, and if Shade knows, that means yeah. Shade knows, so. Um, <sighs> but then he orders everything to be cleared away, and there the students are spaced out in a very odd fashion. Uh, yeah, anything to say about that? Yes. So I just want to point out, when he tells them to move things away... Um, Fitz is trying to move mm, yeah. a heavy pot and Galen says, hurry up, bastard. He ordered me as I struggled with a heavy pot of earth and he brought down his riding crop across my shoulder. It was not much of a blow, more a tap, but it seemed so contrived that I stopped in my efforts and looked at him. The blow I felt had been a test, but I was not sure if I had passed or failed it. And I just... What was the test? To see if he could get away with I think so. Hitting I think Fitz? like yeah. Like a little little test here to see how badly Fitz would react and when Fitz is like okay and just kept moving, like Galen was pleased that he could get away with it. Do you think he was also waiting to see the other people's reactions to it? Probably. I mean but also, it wasn't, like, a big hit, so maybe he didn't care what other people were going to do. Because mm-hmm. Fitz is probably a lot stronger than him. I mean, he does... He works in the stables, yeah. which I assume you would have to be strong to do. Um, I've tried to lift a bay of hail before. <laughs> hey, wow. A bale of hay before. <laughs> and it is not easy. Um, but also, not only is he basically a farmer... <laughs> <laughs> he also trains with weapons, so he's right. and he's tall, mm-hmm. so he's got to be pretty big. And yeah. Galen is obviously a very small man. Not that 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 skinny means that you're weak, but it kind of seems like Galen might be a little bit weak. Just uses fear and cruelty to rule. Yeah. So um, he directed us to form ourselves into two lines. He ordered us by age and size and then separated us by sex, putting the girls behind the boys and off to the right. I will tolerate no distractions or disruptive behavior. You are here to learn, not dally. He's so sexist in general. Like This is just the start of it. The first time reading through, you don't realize that that's kind of what he's implying, but like, mm-hmm. oh, put the girls out of sight, out of mind, and then you won't be distracted, boys. Yeah, and I think at first, if you've never read it before, you can kind of be like, well, maybe it's like for both of their effect, because you right. don't want, yeah, you don't want the like sexual tension or whatever of teenagers to get in the way of them learning, and so maybe it's okay, and then it just keeps going, and it's not that. It's not even a little bit that. Looking back on it, it's just, he's sexist. Yeah, he's a jerk. Also, just a little side note, um, is it just me, or do you picture Galen to have the most annoying, nasally voice? Mm -hmm. I I will not not take disrespect. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite that bad, but definitely, like, 
more weaselly, yeah. <laughs> but also self-pompous and important, like he tries to like <laughs> puff up his voice. <laughs> this is like not a relatable comparison, but if anybody out there has seen the Barbie Swan Lake oh movie, <laughs> I watched it growing up. He sounds in my head the same way Rathburn's daughter sounds. So Google that if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like Rathburn in my head, sounds like his daughter. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. This was was more what I had in mind. (laughs) For 17 years, I have been skill master of this keep. Before this, my lessons were given to small groups discreetly. Kind of like that. Just very, I don't know, annoying and full of himself. Oh, yeah. Those who failed to show promise were turned away quietly. During that time, the six duchies had no need for more than a handful to be trained. I trained only the most promising, wasting no time on those without talent or discipline. And for the last 15 years, I have not initiated any into the skill. And he says that so proudly, but I'm pretty sure the last people he initiated were chivalry and verity. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Also, he's that professor that's proud that no one's ever gotten an A. Yeah. Instead of realizing that means you're a really crappy teacher. Yep. Like, if people can't learn from you. Robin Hobb, who hurt yeah. you in college? <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> Probably some guy named Galen. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Uh, but uh, then he goes on to like a big speech of like evil times are upon us king shrewd wants me to create these people to skill up i i I have created way better things that will definitely win the war but king shrewd told me to do this so i have to do it so i will try to train you guys in the skill even though you're not worthy which what what is he talking about verity that's it? Like, that's his, like, secret weapon or something? I don't know. I have Maybe no idea. the tactic Verity is using was thought up by Could Galen? Be. Like, Galen, Galen isn't a dumb person. No. As much as I hate him. He's very intelligent. He, he helps Regal scheme after Queen Desire dies to deal with the Red Ship Raiders and get rid of the skill scrolls and things. Right. He's intelligent. So he definitely could have created some of those tactics or, you know... Like, offered insight into that. Um, but I don't think he has forces that he created. No, but the forces I have created to oppose them will prevail. And he held a long silence, staring upward, arms stretched out above his head as if he clawed <laughs> down power from the sky itself. It's like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, but with like a nasally, <laughs> squeaky voice. Do it. <laughs> do, do it. <laughs> paltry victories they may have won coming upon us unprepared but the forces I have created to oppose them will prevail (laughs) it's like oh he's so comic book mustache twirling evil in my eyes he's waiting for that lightning strike but he's so much more insidious like in how he actually acts rather than his pompous speeches right I think it's such you, a... You want to laugh at him because he's so stupidly evil, mm-hmm. like, TV show evil, but at the same time, like, his character is so 
grounded in reality that it's scary. Yeah. I think it's a really big testament to Robin Hobb's skill at writing characters. Um, because on the surface, this is just a comic book villain. He twirls his mustache. There's lightning strikes <laughs> behind him as he does his weird speeches. Um, but like you said, he actually is an awful person. And it's almost like you can't believe that someone would actually act that way in real life and then still be a bad person. Like, right. they should, if they're acting like this pompous villain, that means they should easily be defeated. But real <laughs> life isn't like that. And I think that's shown in this, that, like, even someone that seems so cartoonishly evil can get away with it He's in a, in a real position of setting. power. Yeah. And it draws parallels to a lot of situations in the real world. Right. That person with power may be obviously terrible to people around, um, mm-hmm. to outsiders looking in, to third-party viewers, but... The people that are directly associated with that person are just caught in that vortex of dealing with it and then that person getting away. Yeah. And sometimes thinking, oh, it's so funny that it can't be as bad as I think it is until you step away. Because even Fitz says in these that looking back now, I realize what this actually was. So he didn't even realize then fully what, no. how bad this oh, was. No, he's Which, he's initializing them into a cult. Yep, is what he's doing. Yep, it's he he gives them a feeling that they're not worth anything, he, but he also gives them a purpose to strive for, and he instills that he himself has the power to win the war, to give them that power, and mm-hmm. to grant them the ability to be better. And then puts them against each other. Yep. And then isolates them from all of their families and friends and beats them if they disobey. Yeah. But he beats them and makes them feel like they were at fault. Mm-hmm. Like it's their fault for getting beaten. It's it's so insidious and so nasty. And it's terrible that he got some of these... Uh, directions and ability to put together this, like, I guess, curriculum for them from the skill scrolls themselves. Right. Because we learn later that there are two ways to open people up to the skill. Mm -hmm. One of them was Solicity's way of doing things, where they taught Verity and Chivalry as well, where you kind of relax, open up your mind, just meditation, basically. Yeah. And the other one is an austere and scarce lifestyle that is harsh that forces your mind into shock to open up basically to protect itself yeah but i wonder if even that is different from what galen is doing because there are ways to live austere lifestyles that aren't abusive and horrible oh yeah and there's like on its own there's nothing wrong with trying to live a life with little joy monks do it they Mm -hmm. where they give up worldly pleasures to 
become closer to God. And that's definitely, I don't think monks are being trained by being (laughs) beaten by the head monk. (laughs) Oh yeah. He's initiating them into a cult, but he just got his ideas from them of how to train because uh, I I think it also mentions, I don't remember exactly what book it is, but when they recover these scrolls somewhere in the Tawny Man trilogy, I'm sure um, they discuss that, that, version that Galen was using is only used at wartime because it never creates as powerful of skill users as they could be. Right. Because they're forced into it, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just... I also wonder if he decided to work this way because he knew that this would be the best way to get people on his side whenever he decides to go against the king. Probably. He knows more than the king. He's already planting those seeds now. He's already learned this from his mother. That's true. Anything to get Regal on the throne. Yeah. So he has that uh, very exaggerated speech and basically says that, yes, I, I have to train you now and I will I will try, I guess, because you are garbage. If I have to. Yep. It says, he totally ignored the five or so women of our group. One sentence. And then it moves on. Not once did his eyes turn toward them. And the exclusion was so obvious, I wondered how they had offended him already. Like, Mm -hmm. what did they do to offend our teacher right away? Because he's in a position of power. I knew Serene slightly. She had been the apt pupil of Fedrin. Um, I could almost feel the warmth of her displeasure. She's like 25 or 26. She's used to being respected by good teachers. Right. And she's obviously very talented if she's an apt pupil of Fedrin's. Yeah. And then right after that, somebody shifts, one of the boys shifts in line, and Galen pounces on an opportunity to punish Right. And says, what, are you bored already? Like, you don't have the stamina to learn the skill. And he straight up backhands him across the face. Because the boy's like, oh no, just a cramp, sir. Be quiet and stand still or leave. It's all one to me. The king has found you worthy to be here, so I will attempt to teach you. When Galen spoke to the boy, it was me he stared at. As if the boy's movement had been my fault somehow. Probably was in Galen's mind. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know that he thinks that it's Fitz's fault. Well, not specifically, but but like... Yeah, it's just Fitz's fault that he has to be there. Like, in general. But the thing is, too, though... Wouldn't he have had to do this even if Fitz wasn't here? Like, wouldn't he have had to have trained the skill coteries... Maybe, but Patience is the one that forced Fitz to learn, and that probably said, like, oh, fine, we'll probably have to train a bunch of people, and that would help. Okay. So I think, again, in this instance, Fitz was the catalyst for that change. Okay. Um, and Fitz goes on to describe, again, kind of what I pointed out a couple chapters ago, that he had received hits from various people. Um, Hod, obviously, weapons training. Chade, when Chade was demonstrating, you know, how to incapacitate people, or incapacitate people, excuse me. Um, 
and from Birik whether he was frustrated or if they were earned, but he's never seen anybody take pleasure in straight up just hitting a child. Right. The way that Galen does. And these all other instances are all also paired with like an idea of learning. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like more of a quick thing, like something that you do to like get somebody on the right track, whereas this is just underlining how evil Galen is, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And then he kind of outlines um, what Galen's tactics are for opening yourself to the skill, and it's physical deprivation. So no shoes, socks, cloaks, no woolen garments, heads uncovered. Um, you have to clean yourself. You have to eat um, the same way as Galen does, avoiding meat, sweet fruit, seasoned dishes, milk, and, quote, frivolous foods. He advocated porridges and cold water, plain breads, and stewed root vegetables. We would avoid all unnecessary conversation, especially with those of the other sex. He counseled us long against any sort of sensual longings, in which he included desiring food, sleep, or warmth, and he advised us that he had arranged for a separate table to be set for us in the hall, where we might eat appropriate food and not be distracted by idle talk or questions. The last phrase he added almost like a threat. Right. Well, because if people can ask you questions and get you thinking about how weird this is... It's a cult. Yep. It's a call to avoid anybody who questions anything, because they're wrong. Buy my skincare product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you too will be a business owner at the end of Kalen's training camp. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh. It's so scary how fast he brainwashes them, too. And Fitz kind of remarks on it, um, that he's learning as a later adult, reflecting back on this time period. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it is a little weird because, well, for some of it I understand because a lot of them are young. Um, but like, if you're 25, how do you not see this as? But I guess this is also backed up with the idea that these kids would not have been able to learn the skill otherwise. They're getting to do this super cool, special farseer magic. I'm nodding. Yeah, and. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be exposed to it. And so you put up with it because at the end, you might get to learn a cool trick. This unattainable skill that only the kings and princes can use is suddenly offered before you. You just have to deal with a teacher who may be harsh, but he only expects of you what he expects of himself. Mm -hmm. And... It's such a, like, it's the royal magic. Like, wow. And I bet they do feel like they don't deserve to be there. Yeah. The, I, Fitz is not the only person that feels inadequate or, like, oh, he no. is lesser than, I'm sure. Especially, like, one of the seamstresses is in uh, there. One of the seamstresses' assistants. Yeah. yeah. She's in there. Mercy? Yeah. So, I'm sure he's saying things... That are probably pretty close to what they believe about themselves anyway. Yeah. And they go through a bunch of exercises, just, you know, kind of, they must be described in the skill scrolls to help um, 
And during one of them, while they're balancing with their eyes closed, Galen comes up and whips Fitz across the back and it kind of wraps around his neck and hits his jaw and makes him bleed a bit. And he says that he felt the, the, felt the crop at least four times that day. It was a trifling thing, little more than a tap, but it was unnerving to be touched with a lash, even without pain. And the last time it happened, he got blood. And he kept them all day, and then eventually released them. They fled down the staircase. They weren't even given a break for food or water. Yeah. And this is when we see... Mary, excuse me, not... uh, What did I say? Mercy? Yeah, I think you said Mary. Mary. We see Mary and Serene have a little moment where Serene's trying to comfort Mary um, and say it wouldn't have been so bad if he had paid any attention to us at all. Serene whispered back, and then I had the unpleasant experience of seeing them both glance back fearfully to see if Galen had seen them speak to one another. It's been a day. Yeah. And they're already that afraid of Galen. And like, how many times were they hit? We don't know because Fitz's eyes are closed. And Fitz was hit four times. But we also know later that Serene gets hit more than the boys. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe that the girls would have been punished. Although, he really hates Fitz. So I don't know if I would his, say about the same, yeah, probably. Yeah. His hate for the women is as strong as his hate f- for Fitz. And also it's freezing up there, so their bodies are cold, and it, mm-hmm. they say that it hurts more because they're cold, even the, like, the light cuffs and things that he gives them, too, not just with the lash. Right. And he <sighs> does point out that he's used to being outside. He says, I at least was used to long hours, many of them outdoors. Which, these kids are all, some of them are noble, and some of them... Just work inside. All of them have some royal blood in them. Yes. It says, like, either second cousins or whatever, but still they s- mostly all work inside. Yeah. They're they- apprenticed to some sort of skilled um, skilled worker. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of the boys get training with Todd, too. Yeah. But they don't spend all day outdoors doing hard labor. So it would be, I'm sure, to Fitz, this doesn't hurt. This isn't that bad. But mm-hmm. I ugh. And then uh, they have a cheerless dinner, and halfway back up the steps, Fitz remembers Smithy, and he uh, he goes back to the room um, after he stops at the kitchen and grabs some you know bones and some meat and things like that to uh, feed Smithy, and then coming in the door it's like a warm balm greets him and you know helps him relax from the day and he cleans up after him and everything like that and he says he snuggled into bed uh he wanted to bite and tussle but soon gave up on me i let sleep claim me like they were exhausted Mm -hmm. and he almost oversleeps the next day yep um good thing that galen didn't want them to wear shoes or anything because he didn't have time to put them on he just raced up to the top of the tower he was still on time, but he was the last one there, so Galen hits him. Yep. And then hits him again. So stand like a man and master yourself, bastard, Galen told me harshly, and the quirt fell again. 
Everyone else had resumed their place of the day before. They looked as weary as I, and most, too, looked as shocked as I felt by Galen's treatment of me. To this day, I don't know why, but I went silently to my place and stood there facing Galen. Whoever comes last is late and will be treated so, he warned us. It struck me as a cruel rule, for only the only way to avoid his court tomorrow was to arrive early enough to see it fall on one of my fellows. It places more blame and guilt on yourself every time that you're early. Right. Because you don't want to get hit, but then you see somebody else get hit mm-hmm. every single time. Well, it doesn't only do that. It also starts to separate yeah. your empathy from yourself because you're like, well, at least it wasn't me. Yeah. Which you'll feel guilty about. But after a while, you get into this habit of thinking they deserve it because they were last and I don't. And I'm better than them now. And that's really sad. There followed another day of discomfort and random abuse. So I see it now. So I think I knew it then in my heart of hearts. But ever he spoke of proving us worthy, of making us tough and strong. He made it an honor to be standing out in the cold, bare feet going numb against the chill stone. He roused us in a competition, not just against each other, but against his shabby images of us. Prove me wrong, he said over and over. I beg you, prove me wrong, that I may show the king at least one pupil worthy of my time. And so we tried. He had succeeded in isolating us and plunging us into another reality, where all rules of courtesy and common sense were suspended. Deals out nasty little cuts with his silly little whip, insults them, cuffs occasionally, shoves... Anyone who was flinched, who flinched or wavered, were accused of weakness. He berated them constantly. The women he ignored still, and though he often spoke of past princes and kings who had wielded the skill, he had never once mentioned the queens and princesses who had done it likewise. He never gave anyone an overview of what he was attempting to teach. There was only the cold and the abuse, and the uncertainty of when they would be struck. It's, oh, man. Why we struggled to endure it, I don't know. So quickly, we were all made accomplices in our own degradation. It's, yeah. At the end of the day, after all of that, then he gives a final little lecture. Mm-hmm. And he warns everybody of those who would try to undermine the training by foolish self-indulgences. He walked slowly among us as he spoke, wending his way in and out of our rows, and I saw him saw many a rolling eye and intake of breath as he passed. They're so scared of getting hit. Yeah. And then for the first time that day, he ventured over to the women's corner of the court. Some think themselves above the rules. They think themselves worthy of special attention and indulgences. Such illusions of superiority must be driven from you before you can learn anything. It is hardly worth of my time for me to have to teach these lessons to such laggards and dolts as need them. It is a shame that they have even found their way into our gathering. But they are among us, and I will honor the will of my king and attempt to teach them, even though there is only one way I know to waken such lazy minds. And before I get into this next section, I just want to comment on, he pairs all of this you are worthless with the I will honor the will of the king even though implying even though he is stupid 
that I will attempt to teach you power and, and good things. So he's not only initiating them into, we need you to, you know, save and help win this war. Mm-hmm. You are mine. The king is stupid. You will do what I say, basically. And aren't I so benevolent yeah. for letting, allowing the king to let me do this? Yep. But he says that, and then he gave Mary two quick cuts with a quirt, and then shoved Serene down and struck four times. To my shame, I stood there with the rest as each cut fell and hoped only that she would not cry out and bring more punishment on herself. Serene rose, swayed once, and then stood again, still, looking out over the heads of the girls before her. I breathed a sigh of relief. He heard them talking. Yep. And beat them for it for two sentences. Yep. Then he circles again. Mm -hmm. More to come. Oh, Fitz. And it's circling like a shark around a fishing boat, speaking now who thought themselves too good to share in the discipline and who indulged in meat in plenty while the rest limited themselves to wholesome grains. And the description of the porridge sounded awful, by the Mm -hmm. way. Cold porridge? (laughs) And Fitz is like, I I wondered uneasily who had been so foolish as to visit the kitchen after hours. Oh, Fitz. Well, because he doesn't think... Yeah, it's... Because it wasn't for him, yeah. so it... Ugh. Then I felt the hot lick of the whip on my shoulders. If I had thought he was using using the lash to his full capability before, he proved me wrong now. So he fully whipped this 14-year-old boy across yeah. the shoulders. You thought to deceive me. You thought I would never know if Cook saved her precious pet a plate of tidbits, didn't you? But I know all that happens in Buckkeep. Don't deceive yourself about that. And Fitz is like, it wasn't for me. And then Galen just piles on. You'd lie to save yourself just a little pain. You'll never master the skill. You'll never be worthy of it. But the king has commanded that I try to teach, and so I will try, despite you or your low birth. Which, in this, he is trying to establish with everyone, I know everything that happens. Mm -hmm. I know no matter what you think you can get away with, I know. Yep. And he doesn't, obviously. Ob- but well, because then he would know that Fitz had a dog. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I don't think he cared. Even if he did know, he doesn't care enough. He would have hit him anyway. Right. Or found a different reason. But. Yeah. But it works. And then he released them. And. After, after he hits all of them, actually, because. Everyone must pay for the weakness of the individuals. Which is interesting that he waits to to do that until after he says Fitz's crime. Oh, yeah. So then everyone associates it with Fitz and mm-hmm. not Serene and Mary. Yeah, yeah. Because he hates Fitz above all. Yep. So then he goes, eats again, and uh, goes back to the room without getting meat. And he promises Smithy, you know, meat soon, even though I know you're hungry. He's cheerless. He goes and cleans, you know, his room for Smithy and is just waiting, basically, until very late, mm-hmm. until he can go sneak food, hopefully, and hopeful, hoping that Galen doesn't know. 
and he was halfway down the big staircase when I saw a glimmering of a single candle being borne toward me. I shrank against the wall, suddenly sure it was Galen. But it was the fool who came toward me, glowing as white and pale as the wax candle he carried. In his other hand was a pail of food and a beaker of water balanced atop it. Soundlessly, he waved me back to my room. I can take care of the pup for you, he told me dryly, but I can't take care of you. Use your head, boy. What can you possibly learn from what he's doing to you? And then Fitz just kind of shrugs it off, says, oh, it's just trying to toughen us. He's deluding himself. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then he asks how the fool knows yeah. what's going on. How do you know what Galen's been putting us through? Ah, that would be telling, he said blithely, and I can't do that. Tell, that is. <laughs> I'll feed the puppy, he told me. I'll even try to take him outside for a bit each day, but I won't clean up his messes. He paused at the door. That's where I draw the line. You better decide where you draw the line. And soon, very soon, the danger is greater than you know. The fool has potentially seen Fitz falling to his death. Mm-hmm. Or dying, not necessarily how he dies, probably. Yeah, but just that there's. A but he always, yeah, he always explains that there is such a slim chance of Fitz surviving everything. Yeah, which do you think he knows the dog could be part of the path to saving him? I think so. I think that's why he's so concerned about the welfare of the dog too. Also, he probably knows that it's helping Fitz a lot. Like, just having that calming presence. Something right. to look forward to. You know, something to live for. Yeah. And then he was gone, taking his candle and warnings with him. I lay down and fell asleep to the sounds of Smithy worrying a bone and making puppy growls to himself. I do want to point out that... We see a little bit of the fool's personality peek through here. We see he doesn't like messes. Yep. He is willing to help Fitz. He doesn't seem to dislike animals per se, but he doesn't seem to have a large fondness towards dogs in particular either. Um, but he's still willing to take care of this dog. He's just not willing to pick up the mess, which is fair because that's a lot. Um, but also... He's warning Fitz to be careful, and I think it's he's trying to teach him a good lesson of finding where your line is, where you're not willing. You need to be able to know, going into a situation, how much you are willing to take so that you have a firm line and that you don't lose part of yourself or your morals and you don't go too far. And I think that's just what he's trying to teach him. And I also like that he calls him boy, because as far as Fitz knows, they're like the same age. So. <laughs> but he's really like in his 30s, probably. So like Fitz is a boy, but yeah, <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, so we get introduction here to one of my least favorite characters. Yeah, I there's not much redeeming to him at all. So yay for Galen. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> hey, Fitz was happy for the first half of this chapter, you know? Not even half. It was like two yeah. pages. <laughs> and now comes a long section of misery, at least Ugh. 
in the timeline of his life. Mm-hmm. So well, we just got yeah. a sneak peek, just pulled back the curtain just a smidge to see the horrors that await Fitz. Yeah. Ugh. It's it's ramping up. And I, okay, I know this might be a little controversial. But I think he might be a little bit happy here. I think he's really worried and nervous and scared he's going to be murdered. Yeah. But he also is getting to learn the skill. Yeah. He's getting to learn. And so. Yeah, he is getting to learn the skill, but I don't think it was ever a concern for him. I guess. Honestly, like he's kind of worried what it might do to his wits. Like, I agree that he is a little happy, though, because he still has Smithy. He's -hmm. still, you know. The fool is there for him. Yeah, he's deluding himself that it's fine. Mm-hmm. So in his mind at the moment, he thinks this is fine. He's such an empathetic character. He really does feel bad for all the other people and how they're getting treated. But he's not necessarily, I wouldn't say, a strong character. Because he, even though he feels bad... He wouldn't stand up for anyone else who's getting treat- mistreated. Right. And I know that part part of that is he's a child and this is the teacher and he's been told to be on his best behavior and don't do anything to because make Galen he can literally yeah, be to hate you. But also I feel like if you think about other characters in Fitz's position, like I feel like Burek would have been like to heck with that. Right. I'm gonna go beat the crap out of out of <laughs> Galen for trying to hit a woman like yeah so i feel like it you know so not necessarily fits as a weak person but just not as necessarily strong about standing up to people but also it goes to show he doesn't know these people very well they're not his friends if that was molly i bet it'd be completely different the fool there's no way he'd let galen treat the fool like that in front of him and not say anything at this point in time. Right. Yeah. So, I, I think it's just an interesting part of his character. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in for this one. Um, stick around a little bit. We'll we'll give a couple shout outs here. But um, next week we're diving into more misery. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Actually, I can't wait because it is fun to talk about these chapters. <laughs> If you uh, do want to mention anything about this chapter or have you know any thoughts about anything that's going on or coming up or want to correct us on anything, please reach out to any of our social medias at isfitshappy, or you can email us uh, at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Feel free to tell us how you think that Galen sounds. <laughs> yes. Or any character for that matter, but... Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, Galen sucks, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now it's time for some shout-outs to our followers. Um, again, we, uh, we apologize if we haven't caught up fully on everything. There's a couple things from last week that we need to bring up yet, or two weeks ago, I guess. Um... This one is from episode 12. Joel commented on our post on Facebook and said that his opinion on Shade's disappearance for two months while uh, Birk was gone as well mm-hmm. was um, 
about the forged ones directly and changing um trying to fix them because later he explains to Fitz that his experiments to try to change a forged girl back to normal and um you get a description of that right so i thought that made a lot of sense i think it says yeah. chapter 18 and i totally forgot all about that yeah actually, me too so and it kind of falls in line with what you said is just you thought it was about you know maybe changing people back but that's like direct evidence for it so yeah um that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. um and then he also uh commented on last week uh, last week's episode about um Smithy and Patience and everything like that. So uh, Patience has to be his favorite secondary character um, because we were talking about our favorite characters and she has a lot of amazing parts in these books. Right. Like she's so strong. She heals and fixes Fitz's wounds when he dies, when his body dies and like gathers strength when Regal moves capitals and everything like that. And it's just... It's it's really true. Like Patience is an awesome secondary character to read about and learn more about and just see the hidden strength that she has. Mm-hmm. And how oh, she would have been such a good queen. Yeah, it's she yeah, was she robbed. <laughs> yeah, it it took that drastic, um, the drastic event of the literal war and the capital moving and like the civil war basically that was happening for mm-hmm. her to really reveal her her depth of patriotism for the six duchies and that inner strength. But she had that all along. Yeah. It's just that it would have been very quiet with her as queen and chivalry would have been the figurehead. Right. But it would have been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does give her a chance to shine on her own, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I do want (laughs) to quick shout out uh, Antonis. Because he he made a, a great pun here. <laughs> I like a good pun, and it says, "So one would say that he wanted a name that fits him." <laughs> Fitz really does want a name, and that is perfect. <laughs> that did give me a good chuckle. <laughs> Thank you, everybody who has who has commented. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, we also got some really cool fan art from uh, Michelle, which was really cool. Um, we both. We're really happy to see that. It was so cool. Yeah. It was a first fan art, so we yeah. kind of like uh, squealed a little bit over that. It was really cool to see. Uh, feels like we're a real podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she also pointed out something super interesting um, about the relationship of Fitz and Patience and then Fitz and Burek, and just pointed out that there are some similarities between the two. Um and much like Burek can be distracted very easily by talking about um, his interests, which are animals, Patience is also distracted whenever Fitz brings up something that she is interested in, which is happens to be paper. Um, <laughs> but it's just really interesting to see an, another parental figure have similarities with the other. Um, and... I just really, I just really love that because I hadn't really thought at all about how she was similar to Burek. Um, but now I want to look out for more things that make them similar. Yeah. Um, I guess this chapter a little bit with the tattooing because she says no, absolutely not, which is very Burek. But 
she then allows him to still like learn from it. I feel like Beric is too quick to know and that's final. Like you're not doing that. You're too young or this isn't appropriate for you. Whereas patience is like, no, you're a kid and that's not, we're not going to do that, but I will let you still learn about it. And I just think that's an interesting distinction that those two take in their, what makes them a little bit different. But also, um, she told us that um, the puppy's name is, oh, Fostel. I'm going to have to Google that quick. I have to make sure. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Faustel. Okay, so the dog's name is Faustel, which is a type of hammer used in a smithy, but that's really cute. Little Faustel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we always love hearing about the um, different names in different uh, languages. At least I do. I don't know. Luke also finds it interesting, but I feel like I get really excited about (laughs) the different names. Um, We also... Received a lot of memes, you may have noticed if you follow us on Instagram, from, <laughs> from Elizabeth. Um, and they were so good. They, We always love receiving memes from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if it's not about the chapter that we're reading. Of course, we love like seeing all the ones specifically about the ones we talk about. But all the other memes that we get are awesome. Yeah, and they're very funny. So, Elizabeth, great job. <laughs> Loved all the dank memes. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to thank Shane again for, you know, um, continuing our conversation on email about uh, the origin of the skill. He kind of brings up a couple other small theories about how, um, you know, the, the elderlings might have been actual skill users that maybe guided their own changes at the beginning. It's all really fun speculation that I really don't know if there's any evidence for, but it would be really, really cool to to look for those hints. Um, but he also is commenting on our favorite characters and POVs conversation, and um, he says he does like some villains, but he can never forgive Kenneth for what he does, mm-hmm. which I completely agree with. Right. Um, I just... <sighs> villains always fascinate me, and I think with you too, like, yeah. with... I think all the Disney, your favorite Disney characters are villains. Like right. it's just like their motivations and and how they do the kind of things. Of course, I I can never forgive people, but like even Galen fascinates me in the sense that what was his childhood like to make him become the person that he is? Right. What evolved him to this point? How was he before he got changed by chivalry? Yeah, I think I like villains in the sense that like. They're not real. This isn't a real villain. And usually their story's a little bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the Disney world, villains are a little bit more full fleshed. Um, but just like seeing somebody who probably knows full well that they're not a good person, but not caring is really interesting to me. And I really just find it. I guess entertaining to yeah kind of get a peek behind the curtain of somebody who doesn't care if people think they're a bad person yeah. or not. <laughs> um he continues on that uh he agrees with Emma on her thoughts that Elise yeah. gets way more interesting as 
you read her and she yeah. becomes she like grows on on you as you read mm-hmm. um and he also likes uh b's perspective and agrees with you on that mm-hmm. and i'm I'm going to say something that's like half controversial, I think, because we got another confirmation from somebody else. But um, I don't really prefer to read B's perspective. Um, I was shocked. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is because it's been a little bit since I read the last trilogy. But, uh, oh, man, yeah, I don't know if it's her right next to Fitz's point of view. And I don't like the switch between the two. I don't know that you pointed, you asked if this was maybe they're because they were too similar. Um, and you don't learn anything else from her point of view, really that because she's kind of willful, willfully ignorant, like Fitz is. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just too comfortable in Fitz's point of view. And with him also in the book, I just want to get to his parts because <laughs> he is my favorite character to read about. So I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe because, it was taking me away from Fitz and the Fool's story because they were together. That's I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. I just. I'll, I'll. I guess I'll see it when I. Uh, I'll talk about it when I get back up to the. <laughs> when we get up to those trilogies here, um, but she. She's a cool character, and I. I really like like her abilities and things like that. I just don't prefer to read her. Which is all right. You can not like the characters that I like reading. As you're sitting there shaking your head. And <laughs> <laughs> Disagreements are healthy. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody who sent in everything. Um, we really like to talk to you and, yeah. and, and respond to things like this. So, um, yeah, please feel free to reach out. It's, it's fun to know that there are other nerds just like us that enjoy this book and like talking about it too yeah 